0: You're enjoying uh, your day. We're having a great time in the Lord here at Calvary. Mona has done a great job, and I just am grateful for all those folks that are here. Thank you for your giving, those who have been giving by breeze, those in the sanctuary here. As you give financially, God helps us to, to move on and to uh, pay our bills on a, on a weekly basis and a monthly basis, however they come in, and I'm grateful for that. And I'm also grateful for your prayers. Um, this has been probably the most interesting time in my entire life. I have never told people to stay home from church <laughs> until the last few weeks. When people say, Pastor, I don't know what to do. I say, stay home. But those have come. I've, I've welcomed you and I am glad you're here. Um, thank you for viewing at home. Message entitled, Money, 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 money. There's many songs that's been written. How many of you have heard a popular song, Money, money, money? Yeah, Anybody? Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody. And I mean, it's, it's back in the 80s. There was a, a particular song that came out that used that word, money, 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 right in a row. And uh, it, it is a very powerful thing. God has blessed America. God has blessed capitalism. And it's important that we understand that and teach our young people that God has blessed capitalism. And God will bless as we give out of our resources. It's interesting to see the power of giving. You'll say, Pastor, you don't speak about money much. If you go back through my messages very seldom have i ever preached a message on tithing money or finances but the truth of the matter is 11 out of 39 parables jesus taught in the new testament 11 out of 39 was about money or treasures or wealth there's about 140 to 2000 verses of scriptures throughout the scriptures talking about the very thing of wealth and money. It's interesting to see how much is involved in the word money. It appears in the scriptures more often than heaven and hell combined. God wants your money. Because if God has your money, he knows he has your heart. Very few people let go of money before they let go of the heart. little girl and her mother was eating lunch in the cafe. And the little girl had gotten a nickel and she was playing with it on the table. And she was eating and she was playing with the nickel. And all of a sudden she picked up the nickel and threw it in her mouth and swallowed it. Her mother went, Oh no! What did you do? Somebody help me. She's choking, she's choking. She swallowed! A, she swallowed a nickel. The gentleman walked over very calmly, got in behind her, and gave her the hemlock movement and moved that quarter, that little nickel out and it just jumped out on the table. And the mother was so grateful. She said, thank you, sir, so much. You must be a doctor. He said, no, ma'am, I work for the IRS. <laughs> it's important that we recognize that we pay our bills. One individual said, when I was first married, he said, we were so poor, we were so far in debt, there were times we couldn't pay our electricity bill. Those were dark times. It's interesting to see how the influence of money, how it can influence us to do good, and it can also influence us to do bad. Love is not, money is not evil. But the love of money is. When we love money more than we love God, we're in trouble. And it's all about letting Jesus be Jesus and and letting him be number one in our lives. John Wesley had a very good statement about money. John said, make all you can, save all you can. Those in credit unions setting in the service day, I should have heard a big amen out of that. Make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. John Wesley. Make all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. And it's so important that we recognize that God gives us finances so we can be a blessing to God and to others. Luke chapter 16. Talks about shrewdness. Jesus told his disciples, There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. That's what you call a pink slip in today's vernacular. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm too ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, How much do you owe? How much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly and make it four hundred. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushel of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it eight hundred. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. The world knows how to be shrewd with their money, knows how to function with their money better than those in the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Money does come and money does go individual said that money always talks to me it has one word it says goodbye and we all can say amen to that It, it goes rather quickly but what do you use your money for if you bless your friends with it God can multiply it back to you Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have been trustworthy with someone else's property, and if you have not been, if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, Who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Shrewdness. The individual was shrewd. And he wasn't properly doing it correctly. But he was shrewd. And his owner recognized his shrewdness. How that he realized that if I'm not going to have a job, and I'm too embarrassed to beg, and I don't have enough strength to dig holes, I'm not going to be able to be a ditch digger. I've got to find a way to sustain my life. And if I build friendships now, maybe they will invite me into their house when I have nothing so that I can regroup and try to get something. The dishonest steward illustrates stewardship. God has blessed us. God has blessed us. And we in turn must be a blessing to others. He commands us to be frugal with our money. Notice there's a difference between frugal and being cheap. If you can't afford to leave a tip For the waitress, that is at least 20% of the total bill. Guess what? You can't afford to go out to eat. Boy, that was a great place to say amen. I have no waitresses in here, do I? We need to get a waitress or two in here. There's some of them that might be listening online. They're saying, amen, preacher, preach it. But the truth is, you don't know what they're going through. And if you can be kind to them, you have just built a relationship the truth be known a lot of waitresses do not want to work sundays because church people come to church come to the restaurant on sunday and sometimes they're not very pleasant to work with sometimes they're grouchy and then they don't leave a good tip and so that's a bad testimony we need to change our ways everyone said amen we got to give a good testimony out to the Lord. We don't buy our way into heaven. But when blessings come, we need to realize that we need to take care of it. We need to be responsible. Say that word with me. Responsible. Responsible means that if something's given to us, we take care of it. And in the scripture saying, if you just get a little bit. And you take care of it properly. Then you can gain truth. And gain wealth. Because others will come and bless you. Because you've been faithful in a little. God will bless you with the riches. True riches is not more money. True riches is the word of God. It is the plan of salvation. It's coming to know Jesus. Trustworthiness. To be trustworthy. That is such a very important scripture. To be trustworthy. Verse 11, verse eleven. it says, So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So God, give us the ability to handle the wealth of finances that we get so that God will entrust us with the greatest riches of all, the Word of God, to implant, to share the Word of God. We're living in the last days. I believe it with all my heart that God's preparing a church without spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of the lamb, and there are true riches that we are called to be used in dispensing out to others. We must become trustworthy. We must become trustworthy. It's so important that that we build that others will see us as being honest and trustworthy. One's attitude towards money is indicative of one's submission or rebellion against God's lordship. If he's lord of all, he's lord of all. But if he's not lord of your finances, he's not lord of all, he's not lord at all. The Pharisees were problematic people. They weren't being the people that God had called them to be. It's so important that we recognize that the Pharisees, verse 14 says, The Pharisees who loved money heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of man, but God knows your heart. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. We are living in a culture right now that is totally blinded to the truth. The very first book of the Bible says God created man and God created woman. If you can't agree on that, then you're not going to get the rest of the story. We have a culture that is taking this book and totally turning their back on it. And that's called destruction. You cannot live your life without letting this book guide it or your life will be worthless. Worse than worthless because you'll spend eternity in hell. It will be absolutely awful for those who don't take this book seriously. And the Pharisees, they were jeering Jesus. The one who was telling the truth. The one who had done miracles. The one who had touched people's lives. The one who walked on water. They knew all these things, but still they jeered at Him when He was trying to give them a basic Bible truth on how to find, find how to handle their finances. And they were not handling them correctly. It's so important that we have a right attitude. That we press in and receive everything God has for us. Since the Pharisees were so involved in listening. Jesus goes on and throws this in. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached. And everyone is forcing his way into it. It is easier to heaven it is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen or dot out of the law. King James uses the words dot and tittle. It literally means that in the Hebrew words, the Greek words, whenever they would put an accent mark on a word to help, make it emphasize the pronunciation of that word and and the distinction of that word and the distinction of that letter, it's saying literally leaving off the apostrophe. He said not even the apostrophe can be dropped off of the Word of God. The Word of God is true. It's absolutely 100%. It's the Word of the prophets. It, It is definitely there. It is there and it's been proclaimed. The law and the prophets have been proclaimed. Up till John's time. Now, John is telling us the good news. He's preaching us the good news. And nothing can change the Old Testament. The New Testament is there to confirm it, not do away with it. And so, Jesus knew the Pharisees had a messed up idea about married life. And he throws this verse in. It just kind of drops in here. Because he's got the attention of the Pharisees and he wants them to hear the message, the whole message. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery. And the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. You see, Moses gave in to divorce because of hardness of heart. But Jesus is telling the Pharisees, the law is the law and we need to read it. We need to live by it. We need to make it part of our lives. And I propose to you that divorce can work its way through life and you can be whole after divorce, but it takes a heap of repentance. It takes a sincere repentant heart. It takes that sincerely repenting before God and letting him heal your wounded heart and mend that relationship, and then live your life as the Word of God instructs you. You'll say, Pastor, do you really believe that? I'm telling you, I believe that. Because it doesn't say it's unforgivable sin, but it says it's a sin we need to repent of. Just like anything else. And you say, well, I've never had a divorce, but no, how many times you've gossiped about your neighbor. You see, God hates God hates hate, gossip. And so it's, it's so easy to pick out other people's sins, but we got to stop and say, God, turn your searchlight on my life. Where have I failed you? What do I need to repent of? And know that we're human and we have the, the, the need for sincere repentance. Sincerely repenting before God. And, and that's such an important part of our life. Going on, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in a luxury every day. Dressed in linen, purple, this dude was rich because that was part of the deal. When you was rich, you could afford the special dyes. And purple dye was expensive. And so this dude is well-heeled. Meaning financially, okay? At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Can you imagine this scene? A man by the name of Lazarus. It's not the same Lazarus that was resurrected from the dead. It's a different Lazarus. And he's wanting to get the crumbs from the table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him To Abraham's side. The beggar died. And the angels came and carried him. I want you to get this for a moment. Angels are going to be with us when we quit breathing. Angels will pick you up and carry you into heaven. You'll say, but pastor, people have to be alone to die. Most people will turn their head to the wall and not look at you when they get ready to pass. That is just a normal procedure. And sometimes they will wait until the entire family leaves the room before they pass. But God in His infinite grace and mercy says the angels will usher us on into heaven. I want you to know death is not lonely and God is there with you all the way. Amen? God is with you all the way. We mourn the death, not because they died, but because we lost a relationship. And we'll never be able to have it here on this earth. But when we get to heaven, we will have a great family reunion. And it will be an awesome time when we get there. But the angelic force comes. You say, Pastor, well, what happens in the rapture? read it it says in the rapture that god will send his angels to collect the saints from the east and west north and south he will bring them together so no matter whenever we get ready to leave this body we are going to have an angelic host carrying us to the next step I'm going to walk with us. so we're never alone say i'm never alone. never alone see when you're with jesus you're never alone and when you get ready to pass angelic forces are going to carry you what an awesome awesome truth we find in the middle of this. The rich man also died and was buried in hell where he was a in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham afar off with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tips of his fingers in water and cool my tongue, because I'm in agony in the fire. Hell is a awful place it was designed for the devil himself but our sins puts us there unless we get things right with God notice the rich man wanted a beggar who hadn't washed his hands in weeks to get his hands in some water and drop some on his tongue he was begging for water he lived in riches But he'd missed an opportunity to go to heaven. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered then, I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. You see, when people get in direst needs, sometimes they'll look beyond their own needs to those around them. He said, I've got five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Wow. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone raised from the dead. Moses and the prophets, meaning the law and the words of the prophets, were anointed by God. God's Holy Spirit was upon them. The anointing is within them. And if they will not receive the anointed word of God, they will not receive a person coming back from the dead. How important is the word of God? It's very important. How is it important for Lazarus to to know God? Lazarus had nothing on this earth. He died a beggar. With sores all over his body. The word Lazarus means God is my help. I want to encourage you today that God is your help. When things are difficult, God is my help. Self-talk is very important. When you look in the mirror in the morning, what do you say to yourself? Don't tell me. I don't really don't want to know because it's self-talk. But I want you to know that you need to be saying positive things to your face. You need to be praising God. You need to be saying, God, thank You for creating me. Lord, thank You for all the blessings that You've poured out upon me. God, thank You for a night's rest. God, thank You for the meal. God, thank You for... Quickening my eyesight to see your word, to see the law, to see the writings of Moses, to see the prophets, and to respond in a positive way and to know you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. And, folks, the power of the Holy Spirit to pray through you is tremendous. We're living in the last days. We're living in a time when you need to have the full power, and the anointing of God upon your life. You need to be able to hear the voice of God. You need to be able to pray in a prayer language that will bless you, empower you to live for God all the days of your life. Lazarus, God is my help. The meaning of his name, God is my help. And it's important to recognize that Lazarus' name was given to him at birth. No one knew what his life was going to hold. But his name helped him realize that God is my help. When he went through life and nothing good came to him except to get on the streets of gold. He accepted the words of Moses. He accepted the words of the prophets. And he accepted the words of Jesus. And he walked on the streets of gold. Powerful, powerful, powerful. So it doesn't matter what you have on this earth. Mankind looks at the wealth and says, Oh, God's blessing. The Pharisees did as well. They thought poor people were cursed by God. But you see, again, Jesus teaches that those who are poor and down and out can still have Jesus and have everything. When everything else is gone and everything else is not not adding adding up at all, it's Jesus. Because if you have Jesus... You have peace. You have eternity with God. If you have Jesus, you have a friend. It will stick with you closer than a friend, than a brother. He will be there for you. Jesus will be there for you. You just got to keep plugging in, and trusting Him to know that nothing shall separate you from the love of God. That we're more than conquerors. I opened the service today with the fact that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors because God loves us. Because God loves us, we can love others. And it's so important that we recognize the fact that God is the source and supply of all the money, money, money we'll ever need in life. It truly means the truth of God's Word living in our lives. Friend, thank you for being with us today and sharing. Uh, your day with us as we share the Word of God and the blessings of God upon your life. I pray that you will let God be God of your life and God of your finances, God of your time, God of your resources, God of your treasures. Because if you'll put God first in your life, everything else will work out. It's God's plan, God's purpose. The storms you go through life are to make you better, not bitter. Better, not bitter. Do not become bitter. Let God give you insight on where you're at today and where He can take you tomorrow. For you don't have yesterday and you don't have tomorrow yet, you have today. Rejoice, and again I say rejoice, and constantly have praise upon your lips. May your lips have fruits that are the fruit of your lips is praise to God continually. God bless you. Have a great day. We're going to have prayer time here. Trust you have one at home.